Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney and Darian. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello there, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, we're talking about why you might be bloated and tips to promote comfort. So it's common to experience bloating throughout the day in response to breaking down and absorbing the food we eat. It can indicate that our stomach is filled with food and beneficial gut bacteria are being fueled. But if we are experiencing more gas, swelling, or discomfort than usual, it may be valuable to examine food and lifestyle choices to improve digestive health. In this podcast, we'll review the root cause of bloating and actionable tips to promote comfort. So Darian, before we begin um, diving into this topic on bloating, um, I'd love to hear what's the best thing you ate this past week? I'm going to take it back a couple of weeks because I just got back from a trip to Hawaii, which I was very fortunate to go on. And I had a really, really delicious poke bowl. Um, They just put like different pickled like vegetables in it and just that mix of flavors. And then I also had some malasadas, which are like a Portuguese kind of fried donut with this really good like cream filling. So that was definitely my, uh, the best food I ate in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> You're definitely speaking my language. Um, I love poke bowls, as yeah. you know. So that was one of the first thing I, things I said yeah. to you when you got back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, show me pictures of your poke <laughs> yeah. bowl. You knew to take a picture for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's the best thing you ate this week? Uh, well, I actually visited um, a friend in Edmonton this past weekend, and we went out for Thai food. Mm. I hadn't had Thai food in so long, but it's definitely one of my favorite uh, styles of cooking. Mm, yeah. um, and green curry is one of my favorite dishes. And again, I hadn't had it for so long, and we were doing a family-style order where we were sharing, and the dish I picked was green curry. And I was kind of like, oh, maybe like my friends won't enjoy this. And they loved it so mm. much, and it was so good. Um so yeah, that was definitely the best thing oh, I ate this week. delicious. Mm-hmm. So before we dive into the root causes of bloating and kind of explore some of those tips, I think it'll be helpful for us to do a little bit of background on what bloating is. Yeah. So bloating is a tight, gassy, or full feeling in the abdomen. It's sometimes paired with distension, which is that physical expansion of our abdominal area. Um, It is important to note that the root cause of bloating can be a really simple fix, and Mm -hmm. we'll discuss some of those simple fixes, but it also can be more complex. Uh, Health conditions like inflammatory bowel disease or irritable uh, bowel syndrome. So that's something we'll touch on briefly towards the end of the podcast. In some cases, it is very important and valuable to work with a registered dietitian and a team of medical experts who specialize in digestive health for your unique needs. When it does come to bloating too, there are a few, I guess, red flags, we could call them, that it is important to be aware of that could warrant, I guess, further support and maybe a little bit more um, specialized areas. So it is best to work with a healthcare team for individualized support 
And it can be really important to alert a professional if any of these following red flags are experienced in conjunction with that bloating. So that might include vomiting, difficulty swallowing, unintentional weight loss, if you're noticing blood in your stool, prolonged changes in bowel movements, and then even disordered body image or negative relationship with food. That's a very important one as well because that does impact a lot of our digestive processes. Bloating is one of the most common symptoms related to the digestive system with many potential culprits. Determining the root is especially important for eliminating symptoms and promoting comfort. So we will be reviewing eight root causes of bloating and tips to reduce bloating. The first root cause of bloating is you have excess air in your stomach. So swallowing excess air can be a simple factor that really does uh, contribute to that bloating and distension you might experience. And when we consume and how we consume it can increase the amount of air um, we swallow, which can build up in that digestive tract and lead to uncomfortable gas. So some examples might be drinking carbonated beverages, drinking through a straw, unfortunately, chewing gum, and then eating too quickly. Yeah. So like Darian said, we're just introducing more air in the stomach and then we have that distension um, mm-hmm. and it goes away with time. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Um, looking at this list, these are all things I like to yep. do. Drink a lot of sparkling water, eat my food quickly, chew gum through the day. But I definitely notice these are all habits that can contribute to mm-hmm. that distended feeling. Um, so it's good to be aware of that way. You're not confused as to why you feel bloated. Mm-hmm. You know why it might be happening. And then if you don't want to feel that way, then you could eliminate the habit. I know for myself, like chewing gum is when I'm pretty... Mm-hmm careful with because I do get that distension when I'm chomping on gum all day. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's super trendy and just convenient to like drink through a straw. There's lots of like cool tumblers out there. It's like, hey, if you're just like slurping back liquids and drinking a lot through the Mm -hmm. straw, just know it's like, hey, maybe even just reducing (laughs) that volume can actually make quite a significant difference. Yeah. And the eating quickly one, Mm -hmm. I know that's something I'm forever working on becoming a slower eater. But yeah, when we're scarfing down our food, just more likely to be swallowing that air. Um, And also, I think taking time for meals and eating slowly promotes um, that parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. function that we'll talk about later, which can also promote comfort and digestion. The second root cause is that you are experiencing a food intolerance. So food intolerances can cause bloating when nutrients are poorly absorbed, uh, leading them to be fermented by bacteria, which then can produce gas. So there's a few common intolerances that we do see causing this fermentation and gas. So one common intolerance, especially for people experiencing irritable bowel syndrome, is a FODMAP intolerance. FODMAPs are fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Essentially, they are short-chain carbohydrates that are poorly absorbed in our small intestine, which leaves them to be fermented by bacteria in our gut, which then causes a lot of gas. So... FODMAPs are a little bit tricky because there's a very extensive list of Mm -hmm. them. So it can seem very overwhelming if, you know, someone does say, oh, like reduce your FODMAPs. It's Mm -hmm. just not as simple as that. But it is quite interesting because there are some common offenders, including certain vegetables, garlic, some fruits, beans and legumes, dairy, wheat, honey, and a lot more. But the interesting thing with FODMAPs is that sensitivity to high FODMAP foods 
doesn't necessarily mean you can't have those foods again. It comes down to the quantity and how you tolerate it as an individual. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this doesn't sound too confusing, but um, for example, an apple is considered a high FODMAP food because the fructose is poorly absorbed in it. But someone might find, hey, I do really well with half an apple, but if I have more than a full apple, I do experience a lot of gas and bloating. So it becomes really interesting to explore these different FODMAP foods and how mm-hmm. certain individuals react. Mm-hmm. And it's not always necessarily a means of going through the whole FODMAP elimination diet, rather highlighting some high FODMAP foods that you're currently having and working with a registered dietitian to maybe slowly um, eliminate and reintroduce one at a time. Yeah, I'm glad you outlined that process, Darian, mm-hmm. because I think it... You know, it definitely can be an approach to eliminate all of the high Mm -hmm. FODMAP foods and then do that reintroduction to test which foods you tolerate and how much you tolerate. But that also can be very overwhelming and maybe cause um, nutrient inadequacies because you're cutting out a lot of foods. So um, it's really nice to hear how there's um, different approaches that you can Mm -hmm. take to find ease in the process of determining which FODMAP foods you're intolerant Mm -hmm. to. A second common intolerance is a lactose intolerance, which I think people are pretty familiar with hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, So lactose is the natural sugar that we find in dairy. So you'll find it in higher quantities in something like dairy milk. And then um, you'll still find it in smaller quantities in some cheeses, um, Greek yogurts and cottage cheese. Yeah. And in some cases, this is just a genetic deficiency in the lactase enzyme and inability to break down the lactose in food. And um, in others, it is just like, again, finding that tolerance or maybe they've eliminated it for a while and their body has kind of um, lost the ability to break down that lactose now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in which case our body can become mm-hmm. more efficient at producing the lactase enzyme. So we're breaking down that lactose and not experiencing mm-hmm. any symptoms of discomfort or bloating. Um, but like Darian said, for some people, they don't have that enzyme um, and they need to either avoid lactose yeah. um, to avoid bloating or um, seek out alternatives. And that could be adding a digestive mm-hmm. enzyme, so a lactase enzyme, yeah. and having that when they're choosing to eat dairy. Or they could source lactose-free products, mm-hmm. which it's kind of a deceiving term. If you yeah. see lactose-free on like Greek yogurt yeah. or milk, it's not actually lactose-free. They're just adding the lactase yeah. enzyme right to the product. So you more easily can break it mm-hmm. down and experience comfort when you're having those dairy foods. Yeah. A third common intolerance would be gluten intolerance or I guess more severe celiac disease. Yeah. So in this case, there's not necessarily the fermentation Mm -hmm. of the carbohydrate like we talked about for the FODMAP foods or lactose, but actually um, an intolerance to gluten itself. And there's damage being done in the gut, which Mm -hmm. then causes inflammation and digestive symptoms or discomfort. Yeah, so a little bit different than just bloating in general, as Mm -hmm. Courtney said, because it definitely can get a little bit more severe, especially if it is like a celiac Mm -hmm. disease versus Mm -hmm. just gluten intolerance. Um, But again, same thing, causing that digestive discomfort and Mm -hmm. many routes to take where maybe it's eliminate, not even eliminating, but reducing the amount um, of gluten in your diet, or I kind of say like titrating it throughout your day, maybe you're not having gluten at every single meal. Um, And then of course, in the case of celiac disease, it 
absolutely is diving deeper in no gluten at all. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that because there is a difference between mm-hmm. gluten intolerance and celiac disease. So like Darian said, celiac disease is when um, the individual is experiencing an autoimmune condition yes. where when they have gluten, it's damaging the small intestine. And so we need to completely mm-hmm. eliminate it. Um, but with gluten intolerance, um, the science is a little less clear, but mm-hmm. there's that damage to the um, intestinal permeability or the integrity mm-hmm. of the gut. Um, so eliminating it could definitely be supportive of yeah. gut health. But for some people, it might be on that spectrum where, you know, they're reducing the amount they have. A final consideration in this section that we wanted to touch on was the introduction of a new food, which sometimes can present like a food intolerance, but that's not always the case. Yeah. So um, as a specific example, let's say you haven't had dairy in a long time. Mm-hmm. You haven't had that lactose sugar that naturally occurs in the dairy food. There's two things that happen. One is that your body may stop effectively or efficiently producing that digestive enzyme, that lactase to break it down. Mm-hmm. And then two, your gut might not be populated with the yep. bacteria to, to break down and, and fully absorb um, that nutrient. So then the fermentation happens. But mm-hmm. if you continue to have dairy, your body will produce that um, enzyme yep. efficiently. You'll populate the gut with those beneficial bacteria that you need to break down the food and you'll probably experience comfort when you have dairy. Mm-hmm. Beans are another great example where if you hadn't had them in a long time, that fiber and the oligosaccharides in the beans can cause a lot of bloating and discomfort yeah. um, when your body doesn't have that population of gut bacteria to break down those specific carbohydrates. And then again, there's the fermentation and yeah. the discomfort and you might think beans aren't yeah. for me. <laughs> um, so if we slowly introduce these foods and we have them consistently, then we often experience digestive comfort mm-hmm. um, and they can be really nutritious, great foods Absolutely. to add. So we just wanted to note that if it's been a while since you've had a certain food, before you kind of jump to the conclusion that it's an intolerance, mm-hmm. we want to consider whether or not your body's just building up its capacity mm-hmm. to have that food again. Absolutely. And, you know, like Courtney said, if you are trying to add something new, take give it time, right? Add it in slowly in smaller quantities so your body can adjust. Your digestive system has time to produce those enzymes and the gut bacteria are going to be like populated to support breaking down those different foods. And I mean, the same could be considered if you have been maybe under eating for a little bit or not eating quite enough. The same thing happens where those digestive enzymes haven't really been produced. Your body and even just like integrity of the smooth muscles in your intestine aren't used to that volume coming in to tolerate it. So you might experience some pretty like rapid discomfort and um, bloating or gas just from the sheer volume and those smooth muscles getting used to having that food coming in. So it's, it's a really interesting and just timely process to take it slow and trust that your body knows what to do to support you with those foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, Darian. A third reason you might be bloated is because you're constipated. And Darian, I will let you take this one because even as a dietitian practicing for many years, I don't have the level of comfort always to talk about some of this digestive health stuff, but I know Darian loves it. So you jump in. No shame here. Um, well, being backed up can build on abdominal pressure and may promote increased gas as bacteria have more time to ferment these foods. So 
if constipation is the culprit of the bloating and discomfort you're experiencing, there's a few tips actually we can kind of work through to try and alleviate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first one would be to eat enough fiber, but not too much fiber. So getting fiber is Mm -hmm. really important to promote that regularity. So you have a bowel movement every single day, but in some cases, too much fiber can then cause constipation um, Mm -hmm. if it's just kind of getting backed up in the system for a lack of better phrasing. Um, So eating enough fiber looks different person to person. Everyone Mm -hmm. has that optimal level. But typically, if we are prioritizing lots of fruits and veggies Mm -hmm. in all of our meals, we're choosing um, carbohydrates that are high in fiber, whether it's whole grains or starches like sweet Mm -hmm. potatoes or regular potatoes. It could even be sourcing some plant-based fats that are high in fiber. I think of avocado Mm -hmm. or a lot of the seeds Seeds. and nuts, like the chia seeds, for example, are very high. So when we're building these plant-based foods um, into our diet, we're consuming lots of veggies and fruits, we typically get enough. Um, And then it could be just managing um, what too much looks like if you feel like that's the cause of constipation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's even sometimes like different sources of fiber that we'll explore to Mm -hmm. help that constipation. Yeah. For example, insoluble fiber. So the the fiber on the skins of fruits and Mm -hmm. veggies, and it's in other grains and seeds as well, um, can promote that motility. So Mm -hmm. speed up um, bowel movements to alleviate Mm -hmm. constipation. Yeah. On the note of fiber, the second tip would be to consume adequate fluids. So mm-hmm. when we are eating a fiber and different foods, um, water is kind of being pulled in and absorbed with that fiber. So ensuring that we're also consuming liquids on top of that to keep things moving, moving through is very important. So while fiber might help with the constipation piece, like you also have to ensure that you're on top of your fluid intake with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely that lubrication mm-hmm. and... and improving that motility. Um, A third tip for constipation is to move your body. Um, And the reason for that is it stimulates um, digestive processes. Mm -hmm. So when you get moving, your your blood's flowing, oxygen is being delivered to the digestive tract. That all speeds up digestive processes. So going for a walk, for example, can be a helpful way um, to relieve constipation. And that movement can Mm -hmm. be a really great tool if you are experiencing Mm -hmm. constipation. Definitely. And it's something, too, where a lot of clients will kind of note, oh, like I had a really long travel day or, you know, I was driving or, you know, even just being kind of fatigued or like sick one week and they find that their um, exercise lowers, they actually notice that their digestive system slows down a little bit just because they aren't moving as regularly. So absolutely can be very powerful to help alleviate that constipation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perhaps a surprising tip mm-hmm. um, to relieve constipation is to eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. Darian, can you explain how eating breakfast can help? This might not even come from like a nutrient perspective, but simply like adding bulk to your stomach. So, I mean, you've been fasting overnight, like motility is kind of slowed down. But, you know, when food's coming in, it goes into our stomach. It's then getting pushed into the small intestine, which can kind of just have that domino effect to get things started for the day. Yeah, everything has to move through and (laughs) make space for the next thing coming in. So that can be a really effective one that Mm -hmm. I think not a lot of people know about. Yeah. And the fifth one would be to eat enough. So kind of touching on a previous point where I just mentioned it can be a little bit uncomfortable when we're under eating and then introducing more food. Mm -hmm. But definitely like our bodies need enough food coming in and that stimulation to support motility through our gut and to keep things moving. So if we're not eating enough or, you know, we've maybe been under eating intentionally or in like a deficit, you know, constipation can be a result of that. So slowly getting your um, intake built back up or ensuring that, hey, you know, 
I'm eating enough to support my digestion can be very impactful. Yeah. And how I explain it to clients Mm -hmm. is like our bodies are very um, dynamic Mm -hmm. and and complex and and they adjust to what we're doing. So Mm -hmm. if we're under fueling, it's not like our body's like full speed ahead. We're just going to continue as normal. Uh, Our body will find ways to compensate Mm -hmm. from that lack of energy coming in. And it does it in many ways. One way is to not, you know, provide energy or resources to different functions in the body like digestion. So um, when we're not eating enough, digestion slows down. Other things can slow down as well, like thyroid function. Mm -hmm. And so these factors can all impact um, the rate of digestion. And so eating enough, not just for like the bulk and the fiber and the nutrition and how that impacts constipation, but actually like providing the energy for Mm -hmm. digestive processes. Absolutely. Yeah. The fourth uh, root cause of bloating would be you're eating foods that are difficult to digest. Yeah, so some foods are just more difficult to Mm -hmm. digest and they can promote that bloating or discomfort. And so identifying these difficult to digest foods and maybe monitoring how much you're having can be really supportive. Um, So the first food that's difficult to digest is fiber. Like we've talked (laughs) about fiber being important. We Mm -hmm. want it. It, It's so beneficial in many ways, whether it's adding bulk to the stool for that regular bowel movement or fueling those beneficial bacteria that we want um, to populate um, the microbiome. But because fiber isn't fully broken down by the body, if we're having too much, it can cause discomfort and bloating. So it's figuring out that sweet spot, that that Goldilocks Mm -hmm. sweet spot, as I like to say, where we're having enough fiber, but not too much fiber. And if we're noticing that maybe we are experiencing bloating or maybe even like cramping Mm -hmm. or discomfort, it could be a sign that we maybe are having too much fiber and we need to modify how much we're having. Absolutely. It can be like pretty severe like when you notice you have too much fiber like all at once especially Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. or different foods so I agree with what Courtney said it's just really interesting to monitor for that that for yourself and I mean maybe it's like you're slowly increasing your intake or you're even considering you know am I consuming adequate fluids with this fiber to support Mm -hmm. the motility Um, and again that Goldilocks kind of sweet spot it's really noticing what feels optimal for you with your fiber intake and that's something we absolutely support our clients with very frequently yeah and as a specific example sometimes Mm -hmm. when we're working with athletes and Mm -hmm. they have very high energy needs we often have to source lower fiber foods or lower fiber carbohydrates say like a white rice because the the volume that they need to eat if they were eating all of these fiber dense foods Mm -hmm. would just mean that they're not (laughs) comfortable digestive health wise And so um, that's a specific example where we we might actually be modifying food sources to reduce fiber. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we're mostly referring to the naturally occurring fibers here. But I think something that I'm seeing more and more often is people experiencing discomfort or bloating because they're having too much of this synthetic or added fibers. So as you know, trends with low carb eating are on the rise. We're seeing a lot of products or processed foods where they're adding these synthetic fibers to decrease the net carbohydrate count. And so some of these foods would be like the smart sweets you see Mm -hmm. or carbonate bread or like the flat out wraps, for example, and certain protein bars. So I mean, for some people, these foods are awesome ways to boost their fiber content Mm -hmm. and they love them. They digest them well, no problem. But for other people, those added fibers just don't jive. And either because it's the synthetic fiber itself or maybe because it's skyrocketing their total fiber intake. 
like. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you see, you know, a food marketed as keto or Mm -hmm. low carb and you dig into the fiber on the nutrition facts label and you see it's quite high, you could probably head to the ingredient list and find a word like chicory root fiber Mm -hmm. or inulin or isomaltooligosaccharides. um, Or really, if you see fiber in the ingredient list, it's probably not a naturally occurring fiber in some form of added fiber. And again, that might not be a problem. It might be great and you love some of these foods to support your fiber intake and fullness. Um, But again, it's just knowing that these synthetic fibers can cause some discomfort and bloating. And then you have the tools to eliminate them or reduce them um, if you need to. Mm -hmm. That's a huge point. And I I feel like a it's pretty empowering for a lot of clients when they do start to take them. It's like, oh, you know, I've been eating, you know, X, Y, Z because it's like, oh, it's giving me so much fiber. But knowing it's like, oh, this is where that fiber is coming from. It could actually be exasperating symptoms is like really helpful to understand. Yeah. The big one I notice um, if clients are doing food journaling or tracking for mm-hmm. me is those dang Kirkland protein yes. bars. If I see someone eat them, I always check in. <laughs> How's your digestion? Are you experiencing bloating or cramping? Because those bars specifically for some reason I find just can really mess with people. So I always like to check in and occasionally people will say, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, But other times they're like, oh, you know what? I actually have been really uncomfortable. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we maybe find an alternative protein bar for them that (laughs) doesn't cause that symptom. Definitely. Another food that can be more difficult to digest would be beans and lentils. So we kind of touched on those earlier in terms of introducing them slowly, but beans and lentils are an awesome source of fiber. They are a little bit of a plant-based protein and they have lots of great minerals like zinc, but the fiber and oligosaccharides specifically in them can make them difficult to digest. So when we are looking at beans and lentils or if a client's maybe struggling with some bloating or digestive upset, we will consider to introduce them a little bit more slowly so your body is producing those enzymes to help break them down. But there's a few other kind of cooking and um, yeah, cooking methods and ways to enjoy them that will help get rid of those gassy components found in the beans. So soaking and rinsing them or even like really, really draining and rinsing a can of beans can mm-hmm. help eliminate some of the compounds that produce the gas. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that like canned beans are such an awesome option for convenience, Mm -hmm. but they're just like sitting and soaking in those gas promoting oligosaccharides. So like Darian said, really giving them a good rinse off can help before you eat them. Mm -hmm. But I've personally noticed that if I use dried beans and I soak Soak them overnight and then rinse them really well, it's I just find them far more comfortable Mm -hmm. in terms of digestion. It's also like a really cheap way to Mm -hmm. enjoy beans as well. So if um, you're like me and maybe you experience some discomfort with certain beans, um, prepare them from scratch mm-hmm. can be can be great. And I mean, some beans and lentils um, are easier to digest than others. So for example, for many, chickpeas are more gas promoting. Chickpeas honestly yeah. kill me sometimes. If I'm not having them <laughs> regularly, it's just like I cannot deal with this. Um, but black beans for many yeah. are easier to digest. So you might notice that uh, maybe there's a type of bean you do better with and want to prioritize yeah. more often. But then just to echo what Darian said, if you're having them regularly, um, you probably won't experience that com- discomfort because because you've populated your gut with that beneficial mm-hmm. um, bacteria. Yeah, absolutely. Another type of food that can be difficult for many people to digest are the cruciferous vegetables. So that includes broccoli, cauliflower, kale, Brussels sprouts, and others. Um, cruciferous vegetables are awesome in terms of their nutrient um, content. They're rich in fiber, key minerals like magnesium, and they even have a compound called DIM in them, which may be supportive for balancing estrogen in the body. 
Um, but again, lots of people experience gas and discomfort when they're eating cruciferous vegetables. And so if that's the case, there are some ways um, to improve comfort. And, and one would be cooking them instead mm-hmm. of having them raw. So for example, like a steam or roasted broccoli versus raw broccoli. Um, and then of course, enjoying them in smaller quantities um, if that promotes comfort. Mm-hmm. I feel like you had a kind of funny story with uh, overconsumption of cruciferous vegetables yeah. once. <laughs> I love cat- Cabbage. I didn't mention it actually in my list of cruciferous vegetables, but cabbage is one of my favorite vegetables. I love it cooked and I love it raw. And there's this raw cabbage <laughs> salad from Tien's in Saskatoon that is so good. And I've done this to myself twice where I've ordered it ordered it and ate the whole thing on my own and been so uncomfortable. (laughs) It's a pretty large portion of cabbage. And so every time I'm like, Courtney, don't do this to yourself again, but it's just so dang tasty. I can't hold back. (laughs) Yeah. Another food that can be quite difficult to digest, and this I guess is kind of similar in terms of those synthetic fibers we were talking about would be sugar alcohols. So these are found naturally in plants, but they can also be made synthetically. You'll find them in things like chewing gum, sugar-free candy, protein bars, and other processed foods. And they kind of, or they typically are under the names, including like sorbitol, lactol, xylitol, mannitol. So kind of looking for that OL ending. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they are used to offer a sweet taste without the sugar and also reduce calories because they are not well absorbed by the body. But because these aren't these sugar alcohols aren't completely absorbed, they enter the large intestine and ferment, which then can cause some bloating and also even a laxative effect if they're eaten in large quantities. So those sugar alcohols can be pretty like a pretty hard hitter yeah they're pretty much a Mm no-go i would say for digestive comfort Mm -hmm. um like darian said they are found naturally in foods so for example sorbitol um that comes in things like prunes or apples and people will use prunes as a natural laxative um but especially if we're having some of those processed foods where they're using um them to lower the caloric content Mm -hmm. it's like you could get a pretty heavy hit and then totally yeah 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 So definitely one to watch out for. Yeah, and they'll be listed on the label. You'll see sugar alcohols under the sugar. Um, And just to clarify, they're not alcohol. Mm. They're just synthetically or naturally derived sugar that offers a sweet taste with a reduced calorie content. Reason number five you might experience bloating is you have excess fluid drawn into your gut. So excess water being pulled into our gut can cause bloating. And this might be from an excess intake of refined carbohydrates and salt that will draw water into our gut. And know that this isn't necessarily a bad thing or that you're doing anything wrong. It's just knowing if you eat a meal that's a little bit higher in some added sugars, carbohydrates, and or salt, you may feel a little bit more distension and bloating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just that process of Mm -hmm. osmosis. If you think back to high school, uh, learning about osmosis, where when we have those um, carbohydrates or salt in the stomach or the Mm -hmm. intestines, that water gets drawn in. Um, And then, yeah, that this distension and and discomfort. And and we just want to highlight it's normal to enjoy a meal from time to time that's higher in carbohydrates or higher in salt. But understanding, you know, what's happening in your body can hopefully like Mm -hmm. help you ride the wave of that feeling and know that your digestion will return to normal as you give your body a little Mm -hmm. bit of time. Point number six as to why you might be experiencing bloat is you are stressed. So the gut is often referred to as the second brain because the neurons and neurotransmitters that extend along the gut are actually the same as those found in the brain and spinal cord. 
When we're stressed, our brain activates the sympathetic nervous system, and we've talked about this nervous system state on the podcast in the past. Um, So the sympathetic nervous system is what's known as our fight-or-flight response, and it prepares the body to protect it protect itself against imminent danger by conserving functions that aren't immediately needed for survival, and that includes digestion. And your body doesn't know the difference between stress because you have to write, you know, an exam or do a presentation versus running from a bear or tiger. It's just like, (laughs) this is stress. We need to conserve resources to run away. So in this case, um, digestion gets impaired, and the emptying of the stomach is delayed, and then that can lead to um, digestion being disrupted. And that might include um, that sensation of bloating. Mm -hmm. So recognizing the impact of stress on the digestive system is important when it comes to getting to the root cause of bloating. Sometimes people think, oh, I have a food intolerance. But really, it's like that stress management piece Mm -hmm. is what's causing the discomfort. And that's really what we need to Mm -hmm. work on. And I feel like even on that note, too, it's something where kind of goes back to like the fast eating and the stress where it's like if you find that you're just like your day is really crazy you're stressed you're scarfing down your food it's like take a second can you do a few deep really deep belly breaths try and activate that parasympathetic state or that rest and digest state and even see if that helps like reduce some bloating you might experience right because if you're stressed you're scarfing down your food you're taking in all this air it's like all these compounding things can really just cause a lot of that bloat and discomfort yeah I'm smiling as you say that Darian because I think we both know (laughs) what our days can look like sometimes and we're definitely like getting in meals when we can Um, but something I've been trying to think about is can I carve that time Mm -hmm. out for a meal where I am more relaxed and Mm -hmm. maybe it's not every meal like sometimes you know during the day I just need to get that fuel in but I'm finding like in the morning maybe I'm making Mm -hmm. time for breakfast and having a bit more of a ritual around it that's Mm -hmm. relaxing and then in the evening you know listening to some music like having you know fun as I'm preparing the meal and then trying to enjoy it in an environment Mm -hmm. that's distraction free with no screens so I can Mm -hmm. really be mindful and activate that parasympathetic nervous system that will promote better digestion absolutely sometimes easier said than done in our fast-paced lifestyles (laughs) reason number seven that you might be bloated is is it's that time of the month We've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. I think for women with a menstrual cycle, it's so important to be aware of what's happening across the month with your cycle and be tracking that. So you just you know, aren't surprised um, by the expected trends that can come up. And so um, in the second half of the cycle, so after you ovulate, there's a rise in the hormone progesterone. um, And that hormone rises through the cycle and then it falls right before you get your period. And that shift in progesterone can affect digestive functions and it can cause bloating and water retention. So um, it's very normal to have that bit of a shift in digestion, maybe, you know, a few days before you get your period. And knowing that can then allow you to be in that place of awareness Mm -hmm. so you can ride it out and know that your digestion will return to normal in the next phase of the cycle. Of course, though, if these symptoms like bloating and constipation and discomfort are impacting your quality of life where you can't get through your day the way you normally would, that could be a sign that you need to reach out to a specialist um, who can help you in finding that delicate balance with your hormones through different nutrition and lifestyle strategies. Number eight, you have a digestive health disorder. 
Mm -hmm. So this one gets a little bit tricky, but if you've ruled out all of the above and you are still experiencing bloating, it could be a sign that there's a little bit more something serious gastrointestinal going on. So some common digestive disorders that can cause excess bloating include irritable bowel syndrome, irritable, irritable bowel disease, celiac disease, and even some potential infections like H. pylori, SIBO, which is small intestine bacteria bacterial overgrowth, um, C. diff, candida, parasites, and others. And there's often medications used to um, alleviate these, but I, these specific causes do require a little bit more in-depth support and digging to find out if they are in fact what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also medications that often have side effects, which sometimes um, can include undesirable digestive symptoms. And so that again, why is, it is best to reach out to a medical professional or seek that extra help from a registered dietitian who specializes in digestive health. Mm -hmm. And Darian's one of those people. <laughs> so if you need some support, definitely reach out to her. And we work with clients um, for their specific goals, whether that's digestive health related or otherwise, mm -hmm. through our nutrition coaching program, which is a 12-week program where we get to work one-on-one -on -one with mm -hmm. you over 12 weeks through virtual or in-person consultations. Um, and that's a really effective program if we are working through um, habits and lifestyle mm -hmm. changes that promote better digestion. Um, and then, of course, for others, they maybe don't want that ongoing follow-up or feel they need it. So we do have um, one-time consults with follow-up as needed to support you. So definitely uh, reach out if you feel like you need that, that support in navigating digestive health symptoms. While bloating can be a normal part of the digestive process, if you experience chronic gas, bloating, and abdominal discomfort that impact your quality of life, then it may be time to make a change. We hope these tips help you in navigating and overcoming any uncomfortable bloat. And as we mentioned, if there are more serious um, digestive health symptoms going on, then it is important to reach out to a medical professional or a registered dietitian who specializes in digestive health. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, follow us on social media using the links in our show notes or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.